Welcome to the Chefs Tell Stories podcast, where chefs do exactly that. They tell their story. I'm Jerry Watterson. And I'm Grace Stoichik, and we're your hosts. All right. Welcome. What's up, y'all? Episode two. Welcome to Chefs Tell Stories, our new-ish podcast. Our guest today is Chef Wesley Nagara. What's no up, kidda. y'all? What's up, Duval? There you go. Wes was, <laughs> Duval. Uh, nice. Uh, Wes was the executive chef at BB's. Yes, sir. And uh, he currently has a food truck named mm-hmm. after his daughter, Chloe's yeah. Kitchen. The yeah. one and only. Wes is doing some pretty rad, high-end-ish food out of Amazing a truck. Amazing food off of a food Beautiful truck. Beautiful stuff yeah. you'd never uh, see. You guys are too nice. On a truck, you you don't Just actually wait. people don't realize how nice the food can be on a food truck. Yeah, no, they really they really don't. So the we had we went out and tried some stuff off Wes's truck recently, and we dove into chicken and waffles, and he had ubi butter, mm-hmm. ube butter, ube, however you yeah. say it. The yeah. Filipino yeah. Well, yeah. In the was butter, good. it was pretty rad. The chicken wings were good too. Chicken though. wings were fantastic. I love mm. a breaded chicken wings. It's yeah, nice yeah, to get yeah. a breaded chicken wing. Yeah. This like smoked with no breading. That's not fat kid food. I like fat kid food. Yeah, I we well, the 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 concept was it to kind of take what I have and learn from my past years as a chef, but then also like conform it to something modern and something like outside that a food truck usually doesn't offer you know so a lot of people you know would probably say it's like more of a pain in the ass like mainstream fine dining food truck food um i just say it's kind of like more fun and um trying to be something like that you know jacksonville hasn't seen before well i think you get something beautiful and polished yeah without paying beautiful and polished prices which is kind of rad that is a that is one of the ideas behind the uh, chloe's kitchen so give me like, what's the craziest adventure you've had in food? Craziest adventure. Good, bad, ugly. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. I mean, being a chef. I mean, and to me, that's one of the things I, I feel like it's hard to accept these days. Like, I to me, being a chef is watered down. You know, a lot of people. Um, say they're chefs, but haven't been proven. They're more like social media chefs. You know, they're not more of the how it was in the 80s and 90s where... Where you have to go in the kitchen and get screamed at all the time? Or you're working 20-hour shifts. Or you're working, you know, 18, yeah. 18 days straight. You know, I, I it's almost becoming like a... It's a little more glamorous now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely more of a social media reality show type of a word rather than something like you earn your, your your stripes where you know you have like 12 15 people and they're always like looking for you for advice and troubleshooting help and now it's just like you're you're you put a coat on and you stitch chef on it and you expect people to give you that same respect so what what makes someone a chef do you have to have gone to culinary school in your opinion i wouldn't say no, not necessarily um i think Paying your dues, you know, working up from, you know, a very lowly line cook to, you know, staying there long days, long nights, getting there early and, you know, being very um, reliant, you know, to me, being a, being a chef was always the person that whoever needed help, the, the dishwasher, the prep guy, you're never 
um, you know, too big to step in that role. You know what I mean? You're always there. You're always available for everybody. And that was the biggest thing for me being a chef at BB is like, if my dishwasher called out, I would take two seconds to take off my chef jacket and like bust suds, bust suds, you know what I mean? Like, just like, you know, get dirty and like, you know, four hours later, like, put your chef jacket back on and like finish service. You know, that was always my mentality going into it. But a lot of people are like, post this angle on my, you know, chicken Alfredo and then filter that thing up and let me see how many likes I get and you know chef whatever whatever you know so it's it to me it's 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 sad but that's the time we live in and you know but I think a lot of true chefs that put their dues in recognize and know how to different you know divide the the chefs that have been in and done it and compared to chefs are just kind of just social media snobs so that's a good thing a lot, of, a lot of hate there, Wes. A lot of hate there for the. It's a lot of hate. I mean, <laughs> honestly, the more and more you 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 bring, you know, the chefs that. You feel like you've worked so hard for it, and, and they kind of just skip a step, and somehow skip, they're skip, hop, run over some steps. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and that's the thing too. It's like they know for a fact that, you know, we're a society that is built on likes and comments. So, you know, it takes what two seconds to like something but then as a chef you know you do r&d on the dish and then you give it to your staff and you know you tinker with a dish for weeks or maybe a few months just to get it proper to serve to you know your 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 clients or your guests but then it's like for a social media chef just to you know put something together in their mom's kitchen and then post it on a, in a right angle like that's kind of so like people go streaming in the restaurant is that exactly you know yeah. How, how did you get started in food? Like, what made you decide to become a chef? <laughs> I was actually, I went to UNF, and um, I was a psychology major. Uh, I had Chloe at a young age. So you decided you'd lose your mind and become a chef <laughs> since you went to psychology? No, I, was, I really wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, for, for everything in me, I wanted to be a doctor. But it became too much, you know what I mean? I was, I was going to school full-time. I didn't have a car. Like, I was going, going JTA. Uh, working at BB's part time as a line cook and taking care of a kid and you know everything just clicked to where it was like do I invest on myself ten years from now and maybe become a doctor or do I just put my heart and soul into being a really great awesome cook and putting that and working myself up to maybe one day being like an awesome chef and I decided to drop out. After my first year of college and kind of just, you know, dedicate myself to if it wasn't at BB's, like any, you know, ne- you know, nearby or surrounding restaurant and kind of work myself up to where maybe I could be an executive chef at like 25, 26, where yeah. at the time I was like 21. And, you know, it was mostly like a flight or fright type thing. You mm-hmm. know, I, I just kind of invested myself and, uh, you know, decided to be a full time dad and a you know, full-time cook to where one day I'll become, like, you know, the leader of the kitchen. That was pretty much how I decided to, to take my talents rather than hopefully, you know, have so much student debt and then, okay, I guess I'll be a doctor, you know? Yeah. So are you glad you did that, or do you maybe look back and think, maybe I wish I took a different path? I have no regrets. Um, 
you know, right now, I mean, the time it took me to actually have a business, I could probably, probably could have been a doctor by now. Sure. Uh, but, you know, the adventure was just so awesome. You know what I mean? Like, you can't take away my learning experiences. That's one of the beautiful things about you made yeah. a decision at nineteen or twenty though, right? Yeah. And that to me is one of the beautiful things about being a nineteen or twenty. You just take the adventure. Oh, definitely. You know, I was making nine dollars an hour when I started. Like that's not shit. You know, that's not. That's not. We'll let it fly. It's a podcast. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's you know you're making not, and a lot of people don't realize that it's like oh they see Wesley you know he's doing whatever he's got his own business but at twenty one years old kid on the way. Nine dollars an hour. Like, put that in perspective. So scary. The only reason I was doing well, like, in the restaurant business, people call out all the time. I I went in there at seven o'clock in the morning. I guarantee you. And it got to a point where (laughs) Barb Donor V was just like, "Let's just put this guy on salary. He's just taking over." (laughs) Like I would have twenty hours. I was getting. I was was averaging twenty hours of overtime every week because people were just calling out. And I was like, "I'll take it." I'll take it. You were hustling, Wes. No doubt. Like, hustling. When you got a kid on the way, you're but like... $9 an hour is like, come on now. Even overtime $9, what was that, 13 something? Yeah. So, you know. You know, I played I played online poker for a living for 11 mm-hmm. years, up until two years ago, and uh, I had a kid on the way, we were adopting, and online poker went away, bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, my way of making a living. Yeah. Uh, I'd never really played live poker, it's a different animal. Yeah. And I know that feeling. Of oh, yeah. Oh, oh shit! I'll I'll get my word in. Oh yeah. shit! I got a kid on the way. What am I gonna do? Yeah. I've got to figure it out. And yeah. that's exactly what you did, right? You had yeah. to figure it out. You put in a million hours, and then uh, they well, saw your yeah. work. You're 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 back against the wall, and you know you do a lot of like, hey, you know, maybe they'll notice me today. And <laughs> it was a time. Well, good story right here. It was a time grill grill call a grill cook called out. Or maybe no call, no show. I never worked grill. I was probably like <laughs> 22. And we probably had maybe 120 on the reservations. And I'm just like, in the back of my mind, GM Jonas was like, hey, um, putting on the grill tonight. No training. I, I'm pretty much scared out of my mind. You know, I think it was a Friday or Saturday night. And, you know, I'm just winging things because I get a menu. I'm just like, okay, I got this. I got this. First order we get. And I remember this because it was a 15 top. And I don't, and I don't, the way they read tickets on hot side to cold side is different. Um, there was another ticket that walked in and I'm assuming that was like from before or just like a separate order. So we sang out tickets, we sang out the plates and the next ticket is a filet medium. And the server at the time, Rick, he asked like, where's my filet medium? And he was doing the big top. And I was like, oh, I thought it was a different ticket. I haven't started yet. He was like, no, that was for the big top. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't start it yet. So these people are eating their food. I have to wing out a filet. Um, and mind you, this is my first time there. Nobody's training me. I'm basically the whole time just winging things. Um, you know how you do temperatures by feel? Yeah, and this is a fine dining spot. Yes. <laughs> so well done. It's like your pinky touching your fat part of your hand. That's what well done is supposed to be. Like right, and then all the way up each finger. Yeah, is midwell, right? medium, rare. How it feels when you yeah, touch rare is like oh, your thumb, so it's like real loose and so the whole night I'm doing that with steaks, like just like touching the steak and like, and I'm like praying over each I'm, steak I'm too. Touching my fingers <laughs> in my hand now, I'm trying I mean? to figure this out. I've, n- I've never heard exactly. this before. Yeah. No. So whole night I'm doing that, 
you know, I'm selling like, I sold like 50, 60 steaks. I'm like doing that every steak. I'm praying. I'm like, please. <laughs> Like, don't How have, would you have come back in fifty years? I may be. I may have like two or three come back. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, something had to come back. It was day yeah. one on the grill and no. training. And mind you, like think about it, like you're just questioning yourself the whole night. And Salte guys like because they work as a team. Salte grilled, you know. Sure. I have Salt no clue. like like I'm I'm not even calling tickets because I'm so nervous. And the guys like oh like I got this stuff you didn't call none. This it was a like I've had these learning experiences throughout my life. Even when I opened my business. And to me, it was like the servers were kind of talking. I could hear them a little bit towards the end of the shift. Like, I don't know if he's the right guy. You might need to look for somebody else. Da, 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 da. And to me, it was just like I told the manager. I had a, a conversation with him at the end of the night. I was like, I know I didn't do that well. You know, a couple things came back. A couple things were overcooked. I said, but I want that station tomorrow. Because after you fail, you're like, I hate when people talk about you. You sure. know what I mean? So I don't want anybody like talking shit about me. Like I want to know that this is what I do. This is what I own. And from that from that time on, like I really looked at failure as you know, pick yourself up. You effed up, but go ahead and like the next day, just learn what happened right. and then figure it out. You know what I mean? So I came in like super early the next day off the clock. I didn't even clock in. I get I went like two hours early. Got chef's like uh, chef at the time was um. Josh Hagen, he was like, you're early. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to clock in. I was like, I just want to be ready. You know what I mean? So uh, from that day on, like, people were like, oh, man, he's taking it seriously. And, you know, but that just showed me to, you know, never take anything for granted because you never know when you're going to be called upon to do something different. Yeah. That was an exciting day. You know, that was a long line and long list of, you know, um, hiccups throughout my career and business decisions. But you know, I'm still here and I'm still kicking. Right. And you mm. went from, you know, the, the bottom of the totem pole to executive chef at the mm-hmm. age, right? Yeah, it was pretty fast, too. Like, uh, I, I was there nine years. Uh, first four years I was doing that. And the last five I was executive chef. So, you know, in, in, in the grand scale of things, like like a lot of people don't become executive chefs. I mean, to like, you know, early 30s, stuff like that. You know, the grand scheme of things, like, I've always wanted to, I've always had timelines in my life. Like, uh, I never wanted to, I've always wanted to be like, I wanted to be an executive chef at this age. Um, I actually wanted to be executive chef at 25. That was my wow. goal. But, um, you know. We after, close. Yeah. yeah Josh Hagen left and had a few conversations with the owner. And, you know, I was actually upset that I wasn't the next in line. But I understand it's, it's, as a business owner now, trying to put and put faith into a business, into a 25-year-old, how scary that can be. You know, and I understand now, but back then I was just so mad. I was like, I put in my dues. I've been working, you You know, 14. I wasn't like, (laughs) I wasn't so much of a hothead. I was just like, you know, I worked so hard and so long. You saw it all in your head going a different way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, there's no way she could not like pick me as an executive. I was like, I'm ready to do a tasting. Like, let's get this going. But, uh, you know. It's might might even been to your benefit to have the extra couple years. Oh yeah, definitely. I would. I I definitely look at it now. Like, you know, there's there's no rush. Um, you know, a lot of things. I actually learned what not to do because the chef after that, I don't want to name their names. They did very terrible. So I learned what not to do in that one year that, you know, they were there. Did you have a moment where you're like, "See, you should have picked me." Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. It was. It got to a point where where I was just like. Look at this. Look look what's going on here. You know what I mean? I'm just like, hey, 
That's you great. Know, jo- so. You mentioned Josh Agan. I, the, the thing I love about Josh is his plating is like a work of art. What's one thing that you learned from from Josh Agan? I, I'd, I'd probably say I learned 30% of my culinary experience through Josh. Me and Josh, or Josh and I, didn't really have like the closest relationship. But well, you showed up as a punk kid. Well, uh, well, I had, <laughs> I had, I had, I had right out of college. No, I had, I had work ethic, and <laughs> no, and I was, I was. Oh no, 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 no. Know, at twenty one. No, no, it was. I think because he, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth. You know, he just got his start as a second chef. He was a really great chef in California, but he was doing catering, um, and he was doing a lot of great things for BBs. Um, when he first started, so I was very excited to learn from him. But I, I, I can understand when you're, you know, you got things going on and you want to be recognized for um, doing the work that you do. And I, and you know, he was putting out great work and wasn't really being recognized for it because he was an outside chef coming into Jacksonville. So a lot of people didn't know about Josh at the time. Like the, you know, they were just like, oh, it's, he's kind of a Cali dude from Vermont, you know. Um, all they know is that he's very, like, technically sound. He does great plating. But, you know, compared to a Tom Gray or Matthew Medora, guys like that have been established in Jacksonville for so long. He doesn't really know him, you know. I learned to work harder. I learned to pick and choose when to fight his battle, fight my battles. Because when he fought his battles, it wasn't probably at the most perfect time. And... um I think that's why a lot of things didn't work out at BB's for him. But, you know, he's had a, he still has a great career. I mean, he's doing his own thing now, but he did, you know, he opened Flying Iguana, uh, Coop 303. And, uh, you know, he's a, you know, I'd probably say one of the best chefs in Jacksonville. Uh, sure. For sure. If you look at his plates, his plates are some of the most beautifully plated yeah. dishes you'll ever see. Definitely, definitely. I mean, they like, are works of, absolute works of art. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's definitely. A man of cleanliness, a man of like making sure everything is, you know, top notch. He wouldn't sell any plate of food, you know, that he wouldn't eat himself or, you know, feed his kid or his his family. So he's he's definitely one like a A one chef. Um, if nobody else recognizes it. In my book he's A one chef. Regardless of how our relationship is, he's he's I can't never say anything bad about him. He's taught me, you know, just to be a professional in all regard, you know. Yeah, so I'll tell you what the standard should be. I yeah, standards are very high, and he's and like I said, he's actually a very, you know, earth friendly, green person, which to a certain extent I was, but it definitely elevated being around him because he's so environmentally conscious. And as a chef, knowing that you get a lot of your product and produce from you know nature, and that's how you actually build your base to. A great dish, like you should always be thankful and grateful for having great produce or great yeah. seafood or great animal product or, you know, just being, you know, accessibly um, sound to having it around you. So, do you have a moment in your life where you found, or what moment in your life would you say you were most profoundly lost? There was a couple times. Um, um, not even a couple. It was a lot of times. I'm not even gonna sugarcoat <laughs> it. Um, I would say the first first time was when I became executive chef. You know that transition is actually not a culinary transition. 
it's more of a transition of um, relationships with people. You know, you can't you can't be an executive chef and not be able to talk, not be able to handle situations. Um, and being even that being at twenty seven as executive chef, you're you're still kind of you're still kind of um, not fully dare mature wise to handle do you, do you remember having like a moment where you were just kind of like i don't i don't know if i can do this or like i wouldn't say I, I, that type of moment i'd probably say where do i need to like reinvent myself as like a, a, a mature man like do, because it's like you have 40 50 year olds looking at you for leadership you know you have 19 20 year olds looking for you and for leadership out of you you have your owner wanting you to step up and I think it's just a random act of just being there, being available for, you know, the people in the kitchen. That's what people don't understand. It's like you're more, now you're kind of like the dad, babysitter, you know, of your yeah. staff. You know what I mean? Like any management, any, you know, establishment, you're, 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 the, the food is there, but you're also trying to manage, you know, characters and people you know, every day of the week. And then I'd probably say the second time, well, a crucial time was when I opened Chloe's Kitchen because, you know, it's not a brick, it wasn't a brick and mortar at the time and there wasn't a food truck. So I'm trying to... So it's just catering, basically, right? Yeah, well, I'm trying to be financially stable, too. So I was so stubborn to what I wanted to do with, you know, my my theme like I wanted people to know that you know this is coming from me and you know I wanted to show my you know fine dining skills but when you know you don't have that type of clientele yet you know you kind of start just kind of grasping at straws and like doing everything you can like meal preps or you know just pop-ups and you know just uh personal chef and that's the kind of thing you got to do when, you know, you're just trying to make it as a, you know, a small time business. And, uh, you know, those days kind of came and went. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad for it. But, you know, I want people to know that, um, you know, it's not like that's not where I'm heading at. Like I want at the end of the day, I want Chloe's Kitchen to be a, like a, a full time brick and mortar and do like, you know, modern southern cuisine that kind of reflects my background, which is like. Asian, Filipino, and Brazilian. So that's kind of at the end of the day, like that's the end game to to Chloe's Kitchen. And it's, it's that brick and mortar at some point, right? Yeah, definitely. So it was leave BBs, open, mm. do catering, yeah, open a food truck, and then the next the next stage in the evolution of Chloe's it's, Kitchen is yes, brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. Sometimes, do you have any kind of like timeline in your head for when you like that to be? Uh, I would like to, like so. I've been. Solo now for two and a half years. I mean, my time was five years. So I'm kind of on the up and up with that. Um, you know, hopefully in the next year or so. That's, that's kind of where I'm heading at. But with given circumstances, I'm not trying to rush it at all. You know, I'm not trying to have a opening and a coronavirus uh, you know, <laughs> outbreak at the same time. So I guess, you know, right now we're, we'll, we'll see. I think everybody's a little bit in wait and see mode at the moment. Definitely, Definitely. you know what I mean. And I and I feel for like, you know, new restaurant operators because, you know, I think the opening of your restaurant 
or establishment is kind of where it takes off or starts free falling. So, and you're dependent on that, you know, you're dependent on like a huge opening or a huge soft opening just to... Well, it helps you get some cash back, right? Because you've now spent a ton of money. I think that's one thing that so many restaurant owners miss, like... People say, oh, I don't want to be too busy, right? This is one of the conversations we have with restaurants a lot doing restaurant marketing is yeah. they say, oh, we... Um, we don't want to get overwhelmed. Yeah, or, we don't, we don't want to be overwhelmed right out of the gate. And that, we want to work I, out kinks. That makes kings. sense, except mm. the best chance you get to get buried in business and keep it is yeah. right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. So yeah. get ready, be ready, yeah. and then let it rip as hard as you possibly yeah. can and sprint. We got yeah. you. Yeah. You know? that's. that's I mean, I agree with you totally. Like, I would want to be busy overly busy and like i said you're gonna make mistakes people are actually knowledgeable to restaurant openings to where like hey you go to your first you know experience it might not be you know overly outstanding but hey they've only been over three weeks like give them a chance yeah i think think most people are you know up to speed on that and if you have that one clown on Yelp who left you a bad review during yeah. your soft opening. You just have to shake that off and yeah. move on because there's 10 other guys who, you know, want great food. And yeah. if you're putting that out, they have a little patience for those the first first night on the grill <laughs> hiccups that, well, that come with that sometimes. Yeah. Sp- speaking of Chloe's Kitchen, where do you where do you typically find inspiration for your dishes? I know you talked a little bit about your culture. Yeah. Filipino. Uh-huh. What, what were the others? Uh, Brazilian. Brazilian. Yeah, my dad's Brazilian. Yeah. My mom's Filipino. So, I mean, inspiration right now. And, of um, course, your daughter, Chloe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to be bougie on my truck. I'm not trying to say I'm doing all these fine dining. I'm doing fine dining techniques. It's a little bougie, but in the best way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just trying to do fine dining techniques, but with street food. You know what I mean? So, where do you where do you get inspired? Do you, like... Well... You know, uh, inspiration to me always comes from competition. So every time I see like a colleague of mine doing something great, I always want to see it. Maybe I could do that dish better, or maybe I could take their concept or idea, or even like something I see on social media. Um, just from, from to, the hack social media says. Yeah, just just, <laughs> just 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 elevate it, or maybe even like I understand where they were coming from, but to me it's like this could be better. How, yeah. yeah, how you can know you know elevate it exactly? So and I always want to stay true to the the flavors of Filipino and Brazilian cuisine. So I, I definitely don't see what I got doing out there. Um You know, I see the Filipino in most of the dishes you make, mm-hmm. I see the Filipino elements. How does the Brazilian background play in? Or does it yet? Yeah. Is it something it's, you think you'll do in the future? What what are key Filipino and Brazilian Elements. Brazilian yeah. food is a lot, very like, very much barbecue, like churrasco. Like, there's not really too much technique because when you see a Brazilian restaurant, steakhouse, you yeah, know, it's like yeah, but that's one know, part of Brazil, right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even see if you see like Brazilian food trucks, it's kind of just kebabs yeah, too. To to you know what I mean? I'm, I'm all about the bonjour. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, cheese bread. Everybody good. likes mm-hmm. it, but uh, I to me, it's like when I decided to do my food truck, I wanted to not confuse people too much which at the end of the day is, is still kind of confusing <laughs> because chloe's kitchen like you mentioned the other day it could be like a 90 year old lady making bread so <laughs> yeah crazy. where's chloe yeah. in the kitchen yeah well, um, that, they always ask like is it well they ask like if i have a female cashier like are you chloe and like no so you know that the no but when she's like 14 you're like all yeah. right you're in the truck there you go come on do it for me you get her a t-shirt yeah. says yes yeah. i'm chloe yeah that's yeah perfect. oh that's a good one yeah definitely uh, 
But with me, like, I just wanted to kind of, you know, and I had more Southern classics. I want to take Southern classics, but didn't have the Filipino or Brazilian twist to it. You know, I was going to ask you about that because so, you do definitely dive into some Southern foods yeah. for sure. And then there's like, you know, some sandwiches. I think it's the truest fusion, you know? It really is. It's like a fusion of, for the most part, what I've seen is a fusion of Filipino and Southern cuisine. Yeah. And that's that's all I pretty much want to accomplish. There's going to be some things that I want to specialize in, you know, that, you know, I take a chance on. But for the most part, you know, I I want to keep my concept to a very um, straightforward minimum. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the quality has to be there, because I when I first started my food truck, I had like fifteen items, and it got to where when I started getting busy, it, it didn't work out. Like it was a long ticket yeah. time for, and, and I'm very particular. Like I won't send out something if there's like anything missing. Like I know people will send out food, or it's like, oh, there's no season up. I was like, well, just send it because we're we're busy. We got to get up. And I'm not that. I don't roll like that, you know. Well, the expectation is that you get the same thing every time. You get the same yes. quality every time. Mm-hmm. And nothing that bothers me more than when they they send something out, and I can look at it and know it shouldn't have come out. Like yeah, they know that shouldn't have come out. Yeah, it just makes me yeah. nuts. But, it's fine. You make a mistake, no big deal. Yeah. But if you can eyeball it until it shouldn't have come out. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like if we if you have, you know, and Jacksonville is starting to get more foodies and more people that are regulars and. You know, and there's two sides of the spectrum when it comes to culinary. Like, you have your chefs and your food truck owners, but then you also have the consumers that, like, really enjoy this. They really follow, you know, the trends and, you know, expect, have a certain expectation when it comes to food or chefs they follow. So, it's like, I don't ever want to let, I can never tell, like, hey, you know, Jerry's coming to my truck one day. Like, you have to expect, you know, any type of day, like a foodie or somebody that really enjoys your food. Is coming, so you got to serve it the same way all the time. The you consistency, know? Yeah. yeah. You can't be like, oh, you know, this important portion is coming to our Step truck, it so it's like I'm only serving them right. the good stuff, and like, all right, you got, yeah. but you know, that's not cool. And we've yeah. seen that happen. It's not cool at all. Sure. We we have some yeah. funny. I've got some funny stories. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Where like the service is so fall down over you, like ridiculous. Yeah. You're like, this is not normal. <laughs> and not only that, but Let if there's bring you 10 wet tables going... Paper towel to yeah. wipe your hands. <laughs> if there's 10 tables going in the restaurant, and every time... I, I, I won't put the restaurant on blast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we had one restaurant. I walk in, and the waiter, I apparently had apparently waited on one of the a dinner event that we'd had before. Okay. It's like, oh, we're so excited. We've been waiting for you to come. And it was yeah. like this restaurant just opened. And I just happened in to go eat there with my yeah. buddy, right? Yeah. Like, I wasn't writing. I wasn't planning to take yeah. pictures. Nothing. Like, we're so excited you're here. Like, Welcome. God dang it. I got to write an article now. Like That is the so, worst. No. <laughs> so I walk in, which is fine. And I, I appreciate that people know who we are and appreciate what we do yeah, now. Definitely. I'm glad we're there. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I have a real appreciation for that. But, so I walk in, the guy gives me this going in, and we sit down, and, like, I'm wa- I always watch the tables around me. Like, are they yeah. getting the same level of service we're getting? Does their yeah. food look like the stuff that we got served? Yeah. So 
every time I got out of my seat, someone magically appeared. Like, if you ever watch Mr. Deeds, where, like, the sneaky, yeah, sneaky yeah, yeah. guy, every bummer, time yeah. if I went to sit down, somebody magically appeared behind the seat and pushed the chair under my rear end. I was like, Yo. this is the Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, what is that, going on? that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's too, a, like... My buddy next to me is falling out yeah. laughing. He's on the floor, yeah. you know? Like, everything. Just... I was like, I was like, do I even want to come back here? You know what I mean? So I was like, uh... You know, the food was fabulous. The yeah. service was, like, disturbing. But... Or, or you do to-go, and then you have it as, like, a different alias name or something like that, you know? You know, we have a team of writers now, so I do a lot less of the writing, and oh, okay. most of them can yeah. still fly under the radar, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. with all the video that when, we've When done. we do our best of lists, too, we usually, like, call ahead and yeah. get to go, because if we go in and sit, someone might recognize us. And... We'll have a different experience. Yeah. I mean, we do walk in the restaurant, but, like, to go is to go, I yeah. guess, you know? And a lot of times we'll put it under a different name, or whoever else is riding with us. We have a team that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you guys are like the Michelin, stu- uh, Michelin men for Jacksonville. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But it's, like, it's, like, with it. it's like, Grace and Jerry's here. Yeah. Give him the good water. Give him the good water. You do. Give him the Fiji water. It's, it's been <laughs> an odd experience, like, Sparkly. becoming, like, yeah. I don't know, internet, internet pseudo famous, if you want to call it that, because we'll be out in public yeah. and I'll see somebody glance at me and they kind of want to look like they're not looking. Oh, yeah. And then there's a certain look you get on your face when you're trying to look at somebody but you're not. Yeah. And you're like, it's do, obvious. I, do I know them? Are they who I think yeah. they are? Uh, What's well, even like, I did a I did a Thanksgiving demo uh, this past year and then, like, I got like a couple of looks of the days after and I was just like, it was just peach cobbler guys. Like, it ain't, it ain't that crazy. Like, well, I think it'd be great know, if it's... folks more often just walked up. Just oh, walk yeah. up and say, hey, I love what you do. I have such a deep appreciation for those people when yeah. they walk up and they say, you're the crazy food guy, right? Yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah. And, uh, and then my that's wife what you laughs because like, I'm like yeah. the quiet introvert most of the time yeah. at home. But yeah. it's uh, it's great. Like People appreciate what we do and they support what we do and that's why we keep, get to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, whether it's cooking in a restaurant or putting on Jack's Restaurant Reviews or our food adventure yeah. blogs in other cities, all that. But I think that's, that's how... It's funny when, when you know, great cooks or chefs, you know, put so much time behind the scenes and putting together, like, you know, years of, you know, awesome food for the community. Like, they're so, <laughs> they're so, uh, you know, behind the scenes. But then you give them a, 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 a platform to talk. They're kind of like, well, I, I did a, you know, pan seared salmon for thank you bye so it's, it's listen it's, I, wor- I worked yeah. in P- PR for two years with restaurants and like the biggest thing with getting restaurants and chefs on TV was that like when chefs are in the kitchen I feel like they're in their own element oh, you yeah. know and that's their superpower they're talking to kitchen staff yeah. and whatnot, but like their personalities are not yeah. a TV personality yeah. that's your kryptonite and so you yeah. always <laughs> have you know be like you know get excited like while you're cooking you can still talk yeah. you gotta you know Turned it up a notch, and it was always so hard yeah. for chefs in particular. How has TV and what's going on, how chefs have now become these like celebrities mm-hmm. and uh, household names in a way, do you think that's changed the – how has that changed the industry? How has it changed – I don't know, how people interact with food and yeah. Well, Well, I would definitely say with the being so accessible to even having your own YouTube channel, it's easier for you – to be kind of a chef rock star. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it also makes diners more elevated. Like, yeah. if you were kind of talking about earlier, like an average diner, 
knows about these like really cool ingredients yeah. or like they expect these really nice plated exactly. presentations because it's like these celebrity chefs. Yeah, and definitely. And then, yeah. you know, like I said, I'd probably say the most kind of famous uh, chef in Jacksonville that I know was Kenny Gilbert. You know, he was on Top Chef. He did a few um, um, Food Network shows and, you know, cook for Oprah. So, you know, he definitely, you know, gets spotted a little bit easier than everybody else. But I, I think at the end of the day, he's still backing up with his cooking. Like, you know, he's a really phenomenal chef, you know. And just in my experience of doing, like, cooking demos or being on, you know, the news, and it's, it's, different. it's definitely a personality that is not there. On every day, on every given basis, that you definitely have to put on. Yeah. You know, you have to definitely get on the ledge, jump, and become somebody that is a little bit more eye-catching to somebody like a stranger looking at you through the t- television. Like you have I to think be. People want authenticity yeah. too in their celebrity chef. Yeah, definitely. Now, so. But you definitely have to be like. Do you have a, a relatable celebrity? You know chef? what I mean? Favorite celebrity chef. Um, I actually met him recently. Um, Michael Voltaggio. He was on Top Chef. Oh, okay, yeah. He's a pretty young guy. He's in his brother was on it too, right? Yeah, yeah, Brian Voltaggio. Um, I like Michael Simon, too. Uh, I like Michael Simon. Like I said, um, I just kind of relate to chefs the way I would cook. is like how they would cook. Um, you know, you, you always have, like, the Bobby Flays and Mario Batelli's, but I think I'd be like, yeah, I'd definitely cook it like that, you know, so you kind of relate to the celebrity chef a little more. But, you know, they're on a different level. They've had, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, eight, nine, ten restaurants. You know, they've been on hundreds right. of TV shows. So, but definitely I would say celebrity chefs are are different type of beasts. I think they're kind of already groomed to be that type of persona. But then have, you know, their badass cooking skills as well. To back it up. Yeah. When, gonna, I, sorry. when I played poker professionally... Mm-hmm. It always felt, I'd live out in Vegas for six weeks out of the year for the World Series of Poker, which okay. is our world championship, and play with many of the best players in the world. And it was always interesting to me at the World Series, we'd be at a table, we're playing, everything's calm, people are just having normal conversations. And then the cameras would come over because some guy who's semi-famous or yeah. famous is sitting next to me, yeah. and he's in a hand. Yeah. And so the cameras would rush over, and they'd watch that hand. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he would go from... Like mild mannered version, I'm Batman. <laughs> He's like <laughs> going crazy, like so over the top, animated, and I hate your guts because you're the evil yeah, villain. Yeah, or yeah. like it was just wild. They were like a totally different, like multiple personalities yeah, just yeah, showed definitely. up at my table. Yeah, but then it's like when I when I was doing this this little like cooking thing, I always had like a producer be like. You know, be, don't be boring. Like, be, you know, a little bit, you know, out of your shell. And I wonder if that's, like, for everything that you do on TV because it's, like, nobody really wants a, yeah. a stale type of personality. No one wants to watch you know normal I mean? people. Yeah. You don't. You either want to watch, like... And even your version yeah. of, like, your excited self isn't excited no. enough for TV. Like, you have to be, like, over yeah. the top for it to even appear just, like, a normal excited on TV. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's actually kind of fun to watch when we're at a TV station with one of our chef clients helping them get, you know, some exposure on TV or we're there to do like a top five list. I like watching the hosts of the TV show yeah. when they're at commercial and they're all like calm, normal. And the yeah. second it comes back on, it's like, it's like boom, three, two, on. one. Hey, guys. It's like personality <laughs> exploded out of their body. Yeah. Awesome. But watch. even like, you know, when you do your, 
you know, top fives or you do your review, you know, the what captures audiences like your your intro, like your liveliness to when you're like, Hey, we're yeah, back or you know It blah, blah. is. It's about Otherwise, getting their like, attention like yeah. really fast. If you, you know don't I mean? get it in the first few seconds. Like, real quick, yeah. You know what I mean? Seven, so you flip the, the channel. The yeah. data says seven sec on an online video, you decide whether you're gonna watch the video in the yeah. first seven seconds. And I believe it. So we're always trying to do something when we do our Facebook live videos they're almost like a yeah. show. TV show, a short TV show. We're trying to do something big, big, huge yeah. to get your attention right at the beginning. Like we did Fogo de Chon, yeah. Fogo de Chow, so I'll put most people say it wrong, but yeah, yeah. the Brazilian Steakhouse. Shown, guys. I, I got to Fogo de Chon, now you know how to say it. <laughs> the, uh, they taught me while I was there for the video. So that we took the Brazilian meat swords and swung them around. So, yeah. you know, yeah. We did, did another one where Jerry threw uh, waffle fries at me, so that was funny. Grace, Grace. She, I would eat. I was like, oh. She was supposed he to was stay like, still with the, the camera, camera, but uh, yeah. as the waffle Everything flies flew she, flew, she couldn't help herself. <laughs> just cameras ducking, dodging, dip, dive, Just see me dodging dodgeball. french fries, basically. <laughs> That's great. Wes, if you were going to be remembered for one dish that mm. you made, what, what what dish would it be? Wow. I mean, I think a great dish is like a chef's soul on a plate in a way. Yeah. It, it really is. It's like an embodiment of some piece of who you are. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about when, to me, putting dishes together, because, you know, I never had the luxury of, like, when you're a great chef, to me, when you put a, a complete dish together, like, you do R&D. Like, you put it together, you have your sous chefs, and front of the house you taste it and you're like oh, okay da, da, da. It, you know could use this or need more acid or needs more salt da, 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 da. um you know i didn't have that luxury to kind of just have three months to build a dish and then finally put it on the menu like when it came to putting stuff together at bb's or even now it's like i can't waste product so it's like this is it whatever i got whatever you see on the menu like this is it yeah. so you know i like to actually take dishes and whatever i whatever i put out and i feel like it could use a little bit more love to it i actually make another rendition of it you know for a later time like for a later time it would be in like in the back of my mind like hey this is this was an awesome dish but it could be better can you think of one dish when that's um, the case? there's so we, many we don't yeah. do the easy questions here. no you don't <laughs> i mean i'm okay so there was there's this like there's this awesome Asian dish I did at BB's one time. It was like sticky rice. Um, I dehydrated mushrooms overnight and had them. Um, I forgot what I did to stick them on scallops. So I seared the scallops with dehydrated mushrooms. Uh, I We skin or we break down fish every day at BB's. And we were always throwing salmon skin away, like mm. left and right. You know, blah, blah, blah. So one day I was like, let me just use a salmon skin and make it into a salmon skin bacon. So Ooh. I dehydrated that also and um, made my little glaze. So basically I made salmon skin bacon, pan seared scallops with dehydrated mushrooms, sushi rice. Um, and I did a uh, provolone to go up on that traditional one. I folded in tobiko, like how you have in the California roll. Oh yeah. So basically you have. Can you tell people what tobiko is if they're not familiar uh, with it? Basically it's like a salmon fish egg. Okay. You know, the, the little orange things that they roll up a California roll. Sushi. Yeah, it's sushi. Very, yeah. So it's a garnish. It doesn't really have too I much. I always like to teach part, you know, while we're yeah, doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's little words we mouth. use. Yeah. And I, I like to slow down and say, okay, let's let's. Yeah, no, I'm this. painting you a picture right now, guys. Nice. So 
They're orange. Um, they're yeah. orange. Um, you probably don't even notice it. Kind of looks you're... like caviar, but they're yeah, orange. Yeah. She folded them into a block, or yeah. Okay. So basically, it looks like a like a yellow sauce, but then you have little orange specks like all over. It looks really cool when you're plating it. Um, yeah, what else? And then, like I said, so I had sushi rice, scallops, perblanc, um, the salmon skin bacon. Can't remember. I already want to eat this. Dish. Yeah, this sounds delicious. Yo, it was a very Asian inspired dish. I think I had another sauce going with it. It was almost like a uh, red miso uh, hoisin glaze on the dish. And then, you know, just my garnish, like sorrel, whatever, whatever. But that dish to me was probably, at that time, was probably like one of my first dishes being an executive chef. And I remember just like, I had this spot. When you go to BB's, you know, there's that open um, kitchen. And then there's the lights that go underneath. There's a spot where I put dishes there and kind of do my little, you know. Quick pick. <laughs> uh Facebook picture on there, um, but I'd probably say that was one of the dishes, and it sold out all of the whole, I think I had it on the menu for like a month or three weeks or something like that, it sold out every day. Yeah, why did that come off the menu if it sold out every day? <laughs> it was one work? of those things, like, I wanted to keep pushing myself, Yeah. so I never had, my menu was you never, you like to keep things very long. No, not at all, mm-hmm. like, especially like the entree menu, like, and people actually got mad sometimes, they're like, why is this dish not on here anymore, and, and they would explain, <laughs> like, you know, our chef just likes doing new dishes, but I think that was the first time I actually felt comp- like I knew that I am, like, I should be here, like, I should be an executive chef, you know, because it sold out every day, um, you know, it looked beautiful on the dish, and, you know, I, I knew doing stuff like that to where, you know, you know, I had dehydrators going overnight, you know, I'm using stuff that people would throw away. Like, people throw away salmon skin all the time when they're bringing yeah. out fish. So, you know, um, just taking, like, a, a French sauce, like a Berlanc, and kind of elevating it. It's like, you know, you're doing things that is a different level on that plate. So, I would, I would probably say that's probably one of my finer that dishes. Really what What's a dish that you... So, one of the challenges in a lot of cities... Uh, outside of New York, LA, Chicago, the places mm-hmm. that traditionally are like foods meccas. Yeah. What's a dish that you? Everyone has this challenge that they create these amazing dishes, but it's very hard to get people to venture out and order them. Yeah. So what's a dish you created that you were really proud of? That you were like, this dish is so incredible, people are gonna be blown away, and just nobody ordered. Oh, it. that's that's an easy dish. It's <laughs> before when I really got into doing octopus about six seven years ago when i really got the technique and really started using pressure cookers i actually saw an iron chef show and it was a very old one and i saw i can't remember if it was simon or flay they pressure cooked a whole octopus and it came out awesome so i was like i'm gonna do the same thing i was like we got pressure cooker on that stuff and it was like spanish octopus i did a um, chorizo hash, um, a black garlic, um, vinaigrette, and it was actually a, an appetizer. It wasn't like a main dish. How did this not sell? This checks like all of my favorite things. Oh, yeah. You made octopus for a collaboration dinner we went yeah, to yeah. weeks ago, and that was really good. So, okay, continue. I don't mean so, to cut the dish up. And, uh, what else did I do? I think I did a uh, quail egg on top of the hash. Mm. Um, just check the next box of my favorite yeah so it was almost like a almost like a small like Spanish 
But people were not feeling it. Yeah, no. I think I didn't sell it. I thought I sold it once. Where, where, one was this it. a BB's? Or yeah, where? it was a BB's. How did it not work? This is fine dining. Yeah. People, how do we know? Uh, I had to throw away a oh few bucks. Yeah, it, like, it was just before it's time. I better you put that on the menu today. Oh, now? Yes, it would Listen, it, if yeah. we took a picture yeah. of that and put that on Instagram, people would be yeah. driving from across town like, no. oh my and God, then, I got ahead. And I could have like, in the, and then, like I said, we have a tasting for the servers so they could and the servers loved it, and I just couldn't wow. push that thing out the door. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to miss a lot of this for a while. <laughs> I want that dish right now. Yeah. Wes, we're going to do a dinner one day, and we're doing that. Oh, definitely. Dish. That would be like. God, yeah, it was a little harbor. I was like, yeah. I swear, like, but yeah. This and sounds like pure magic. At the time, Octopus wasn't a thing in Jacksonville yet. Right. Well, you know, that's. We got started doing a food blog. I got started doing a food blog because yeah. I showed up at my favorite restaurant one night. Mm-hmm. And as we're walking the front door, I see the chef come walking out. And I can tell there's something wrong with my whole family standing yeah. there. And I'm like, oh, we're going to go eat this amazing food. I'm so excited for you guys to have some. And uh, mm-hmm. I can look at the chef's face and tell something's wrong. Mm-hmm. He goes on to tell me that um, you know, they, they turned the power off that day. He lost everything in his fridge and freezer. And the restaurant's over. And I think when you watch a dream die right in front of you, yeah. if you have a heart, it does something to you. It changes you. It makes you want to do oh, something Oh, you're broken about down it. like a man. Like, you just can't do nothing about it. Yeah. Like, and that day, I was mm-hmm. like, I, I got to do something. And there was nothing I could do. And I kept waking up thinking about this and thinking, you know, thinking about this moment, you know, where, where I watched my friend's dream die. Mm-hmm. And wow. so eventually I got to the point where like, I, okay, I'm going to find a solution. Yeah. And ultimately I did, right? I built this platform and grabbed my friends and family and said, you're coming on this crazy journey with me, whether you like it or not. And we're yeah. going to build this amazing platform with thousands of eyeballs where we can save great locally owned restaurants. Yeah. And the reason I loved that restaurant so much is because they had what they called their adventure menu. Mm-hmm. Four, six or eight courses. Tell us how many you want. Yeah. It's all a surprise. And you can say, oh, I hate this or I'm allergic to this yeah. and I'll leave that stuff out. And octopus is one of the dishes that they that I hadn't been exposed to at that time in my life. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I grew up eating McDonald's and Pizza Hut. And oh. The Pizza Hut knew my family by name. Oh, it's you guys again. <laughs> Third time this week, you know. Like, um, we just ate a lot of that kind of food, unfortunately. And uh, this was my first exposure to beautiful fine dining food and yeah. food that I, if you walk in, if you take the average Jacksonville, I grew up in Jacksonville, you take the average person in our city and you walk them into a restaurant and you gave them options, octopus would be like at the bottom of the list, like the thing, they're like, yeah. I don't want that slimy thing, da 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 da. Yeah. And octopus Temples. is like the steak of the sea in a way. It's just Cooked right, incredible. it's delicious. Mm, yeah. And actually it took me as a cook to really um, understand it, but then also it, just like cooking in different ways and just basically like just understanding how if it it's cooked really well it's a phenomenal like yeah definitely piece of seafood like i enjoy octopus so much now that when i first started cooking it was almost like robotic of me like okay pressure cook season it grill it up check the boxes exactly just make sure it's not like tough yeah but now it's like you know anything that i do now even with like you know, scallops, steaks, you know, mussels, shrimp. Like, you have to have an awareness of it. You just can't be like, I'm going to throw this on some heat, make sure it's cooked all the way, you know? And that's, I think, when people get older or cooks or chefs get more refined that, you know, that's why their elevation of food, even if it's become more simpler, is actually tastier than if you see, like, a whole bunch of things going on on the plate, you know? 
Yeah. So, and I think that's where you see like a lot of the older chefs. They become more refined, but they're smarter. That their simpler dishes are actually really like awesome because it's layered, you know, so profoundly through a very simple dish. Now they're not like just using the wow factor to get you. Where it's like sometimes you like eat something that's so beautiful and then you taste it like, you know. To me, that's one of the key differences between great chefs and everybody else is they find a way in one bite to layer a tremendous number of flavors. Yeah. And a basic chef is like two flavors, yeah, three flavors, and a great chef, you get four, five, six flavors that yeah. all work Every together bite is in your bite. In, yeah. yeah. In a bite. So give me, what's the most overused ingredient? Like what <laughs> does everybody use and what's going on style? And then follow that up with, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, like what's the terrible, everyone's using it and stop. And then what? What's the like the next great ingredient? What's the thing that five years from now everybody's gonna be going nuts over? Um, when I was when I was I would say the perspective of me and BB's most overused ingredient was truffles. Like I saw it everywhere. Like it definitely was the time. Yeah, truffles were truffle fries, like <laughs> truffle on your steak. Yeah, but they, like they weren't even really using tr- like truffle it was, fries. It was like imitation. truffle oil, yeah, was, truffle sea and salt. Truffle oil is not yeah. real truffle. Anyway. It's it's like a slitter to a right. truffle, and then with really you know basic extra virgin olive oil and it's basically been sitting in there all day right and it's got the funk to it you know but it's not like a true like where you get like you know a real truffle and then it's like you shave it's the funk it's like yeah it smells like foot odor but even so like um (laughs) you know i just feel like troubles were a lot of people's cop out dish because there's always a time like even when myself when i put a dish together you're all if you're like you're, something's missing. You know what I mean? There's something. There's a part of this dish that's like not, and it's like okay, truffle. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> right, like and truffles pop with such flavor. Yeah, that you yeah. Know. Like I learned a lot about truffles after reading this book called yeah, Truffle Boy. Yeah. Jerry actually gave me. <laughs> I gave all all writers. We uh, usually in the summer we have a Christmas in July, uh-huh. and we have everybody for it. We invite a chef and we do a dinner for all of our writers. Oh no! And I like to pick a book to give them all. Yeah. And there's a book called Truffle Boy. Okay. About, it's really cool. Yeah. It's such a great story. You want you want to share what it's about? You got excited about it. I, I feel like. I mean, it's it's about this young boy. How old was he? He was pretty Basically young. in college. He, yeah, he dropped 19, out of college to do it, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. He's Wes. He but basically, to like, he became like a billionaire because he yeah. became passionate. Yeah, you know, he started making a lot of money. by selling truffles. Like he became really passionate yeah. about. If, if you want a great food book, it's one of my yeah, absolute favorite awesome. food books called Truffle Boy. It's a yeah, essentially that. He dropped out of college. He started selling truffles. Actually, in high school, Yeah. he ordered truffles online, yeah. walked in the back door of restaurants as a high school kid, and convinced chefs in his city yeah. to buy these truffles from him. Oh, dude. Got him in the shade. And then grew into, like, a truffle mongol. Would, yeah. you ever wa- would you ever buy truffles from a kid that walked in with a cooler full of truffles in the back Probably door of the restaurant? Probably not. He pulled off in Houston in, like, fine dining slots. He but, got tossed out of like the highest, nicest end yeah, at yeah. first, but then as he became reputable with everybody else, yeah. he basically found a supplier in Europe and started bringing the product in. Oh. Hard to find, and then he became an yeah. expert. It was his passion, so he obsessed over getting it perfect, and yeah. then he learned how to like with a magnifying yeah. glass and that sort of thing yeah. figure out how to differentiate the legit from the fake because yeah. such there a high a percentage of, of what's oh, coming yeah. through is like 
cheap Asian truffle and yeah. not the legit stuff from Europe yeah. that really pops the flavor once you shave yeah. it. And but that's the thing though, like you have to understand, like chef to consumer, how 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 many of your guests are really gonna challenge you when it comes to a shaved truffle? Like are they gonna be like, Oh, it's not a shaved right, truffle? Well, they know, like yeah. you know what I mean? So, you know, just as a businessman thinking outside of a chef's body, like, you know, in order to make that concept work, you know, some people would be like, Okay, well let me just use like the very generic truffle, mm-hmm. you know, kind of advertise it, still make the money as an original truffle, but then it's like, who's really going to be like, no. Sure, but there's a flavor difference. He's going to fact check Oh, yeah. And so what he ended up doing was moving to New York. Yeah. And selling all this, and then he was work, working for, he partnered with the company that he was originally bringing it in with, yeah. and then at some point he realized they were full of it over some of the truffles too, yeah. so then he started doing his own sourcing and finding people. Yeah. Um, and he, now he has a company called Regalis Foods, which you can go online and order yeah, from, yeah, anybody can order from. Yeah. It's very expensive, because you're getting, you know you're getting like legit, yeah. you know, there's a credibility to it, so. If you had a really discerning guest in a, yeah. you know, one of these you food mecca cities, then there's a, a big difference. Or if you were Calford downtown and you were doing something really high end and you yeah. bring in this elevated level of truffle yeah. and people could taste the difference, which maybe they can, maybe they can't. And, yeah. um, it might be worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. But top use right, truffles, guys. I got, some, I got some questions for you. Hit they're, me. They're, you got to answer quick, though. Like, the first rapid thing that, fire round. First thing that comes okay. to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Favorite, favorite dish to make? Waffles. <laughs> favorite ingredient to cook with? Come on, man. Chorizo. First thing in your mind. Do you snore? A lot. Name a person you hate. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody? I don't believe it. Cake or pie? Cake. Most embarrassing place you've farted? Everywhere. <laughs> in this room. Right Best chef you've ever met? Anthony Bourdain. Pizza or tacos? Dang. Come on, <laughs> I'd have to go like with a Zah. I'd have to go to pizza. Pizza or tacos, pizza. Guilty pleasure candy. Twix. Beer or wine. Wine. All right, you you made it. Yeah. It was a little bit of struggle. Yeah, it, was in the end. Uh, it was about triple the length of the last guess. <laughs> Rapid fire round. Uh, you got some hard ones on there. Yeah. Well, well it's we, funny. I just had pizza and tacos back back days. That's why I was like, oh, dang, which one? It's hard, and they were both good. I don't ever have to think twice. I'm I'm a taco hater. Yeah, yeah but You're it's like, hater. but think about it. I'm think about it in my hater. shoes. If you just had a really good taco and a really good pizza, like that's hard. Uh, not hard for me. Pizza every time, twice on Sunday. Love pizza. I love pizza. Be, uh, I love I pizza. Tacos. I'm a taco. It, a great taco. I can just take the shell off, dump the cheese and <laughs> toppings on the plate. Eat that, maybe a bite of shell. I need like two bites of shell for everything that's in it. Hear this yeah. though. If you keep tacos, get rid of carb. pizza. You can use the taco to create a pizza taco. Yeah. So you can still get best of both worlds. Well, that's not best of both worlds. But you can't use a pizza to create pizza. a taco. That yeah. won't be good. Sure you can. The but then it's like, <laughs> but then it's like best chef. Like, I've, I've met, like low key, like I've met some like really good chefs. And I met Anthony Bourdain when he came to Jacksonville and, and he tried my food at the Times Union and I was just like, yo, like Anthony Bourdain, like he's really eating my what food. What did he right say? Now. Did he like No, he was like he came up to me real quick, like he had the security around him and he tried everybody's food, like B Shrex was there, Matthews, and there was somebody else. And he came up to me and he had his my food in his hand. He was like, Yo, this is really great short rib and I was like, Yo <laughs> Anthony Bourdain just said my short rib was awesome. So I was like 
I was like, and I, I have a picture with him too. So it was kind of like one of those things. Like I didn't know the guy like personally. Cool moment. But when he passed away, it was like, dang. Was you that a I made it moment for you? you oh, like definitely. You yeah, 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 definitely. And then like I, after we were done, I snuck into his you know his show, and that dude is that dude is off the chain. Like yeah. I wish I there was more moments with him in the world, but you know. I guess I can see why people enjoy him as a person. Like he's a very, you know, likeable realistic, likable, like a personality. Like, hey, you know, you'd probably have him on your podcast every day. Like, you know, what I mean, just talking to him because he'd have like thousands of stories. So, yeah. you know, that's awesome. Well, he lived. All he right. lived. He lived it hard and fast. You know, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely. But you know, he made it around and you know, kind of got it where he wanted to be. R.I.P. Yeah. Well, All thanks right, for well, joining us. Yeah, that's episode two. Please Shout please. out to Chef Wes. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I love it. For I love joining us. I love you guys doing this. Jacksonville needs this. Uh, you know, thank you for listening to my voice. There's plenty of other voices of chefs in town that you know probably have you know awesome stories to tell. Um, and it just brings a light to you know a, a food scene that's just getting bigger and better. And, uh, you know, it's plenty of thanks to you guys. You know, it's we're, we're not there if you don't have the platform for us. And, you know, I think there's like a yin and yang between, you know, foodies and chefs. As much as kind of chefs be like, oh, you know, foodies are kind of snobs. No, they're actually our best friends. So, and I look at it like that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you think that. And we try to approach it from a perspective of shining light on things we think people enjoy. Yeah. And helping also at the same time helping to educate people on foods they don't realize they'll enjoy. Yeah, definitely. That they'll ultimately love. So the next salmon scallops, salmon oh, bacon scallops. I do it or, for you guys. Oh, salmon skin bacon. octopus yeah. with quail egg and chorizo, chorizo hash. Mm. Somebody orders that. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Here's some delicious food. Cheers.